I want to share with you today from Genesis 39, but I, let me ask you this question. How many of you have a, a kid in college right now? All right, you know the pain that I'm feeling. How many of you have put a kid through college? Okay, I went to an orientation two years ago. My daughter's a junior now at UCF, my youngest. And uh, they said, how many of you put a kid through school? You know, half the room. Two, three, four, and I'm in the back. Five. My hand's still off. I want a two-year-old t-shirt for having... But it's, it is amazing to me because my American Express is tied to my daughter's Apple Watch. And I can work sometimes 12 hour days, never leave my desk, and you wouldn't believe some of the amazing meals I have. <laughs> sometimes I stop afterwards and get a coffee just to kind of top things off. And I'm just sitting there watching these receipts pop up. And at first it got me like, wait a minute, I didn't go there for lunch. And then I'm like, oh, oh yeah. So anyway, so I decided the only way to make this work is to take a little part-time job on my day off. And I wanted to do something totally different. So I got a job at a a bicycle factory. I thought I'll get hands-on, I'll get greasy, I'll get dirty. This This will be a good change for me. And it was. It went well for a week. And then after a week, they made me the spokesperson. (laughs) There was no cover charge, right? It was free. (laughs) Hey, welcome to everybody in the land. We're so glad you're out there. You're probably at this point wondering why you're out there, but we're glad that you're there. Um, When we left off last week in Genesis 39... Uh, Joseph's brothers had hated him. They had stripped him of a royal robe. They'd thrown him into a well, pulled him out of the well, sold him into a caravan of camels into slavery. And he's on his way to Egypt. And it looks like all of the great dreams. Remember those two dreams Joseph had? Those two dreams where mom and dad and all the brothers were going to bow down to him and he's going to be a ruler. That all looks like that's gone. Because his brothers had planned to kill him. And yet... God's plan continues to override what's going on. Now let's just get some application out of the way right now. Some of you may be in the dark valley right now. Maybe you're dealing with grief. Maybe you're dealing with, you're dealing with pain. Maybe you're dealing with the loss of a job. Maybe you're dealing with a broken relationship or multiple times. Sometimes they rain two or three at a time and that's when it really gets difficult. I want you to understand that even when the days are at their darkest, God's official plan for you is still running straight along. All right. If you haven't accepted Jesus yet, yes, you need to accept him online. I've decided here in the room, come up front. Uh, you can go to the guidance point out in, in room three. But <clears throat> so many times we get in the dark spot and we think, well, this is it. We give up. We quit. It's often in the darkest times when God reveals himself the most. That's when God is showing you what he's really up to. So Joseph gets pulled out of a well. At least he's not dead. He gets shackled to camels. They take him to Egypt. They sell him. And that's where we pick up the story in chapter 39. If you'll stand out of respect for God's word. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. 
Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord, and that, that is our God, by the way, that is the living God, was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, <clears throat> Joseph found favor in his eyes, and he became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted him to care for everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household, of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left Joseph in care of everything he had with Joseph in charge. He didn't concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now that last part's kind of a given. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. I just threw that in. All right. You can be seated. All right. That last line is going to come into play next week when he goes into the, into the next valley. So we have been mocked, hated by the brothers. He's been stripped of the robe. He's been thrown in the well. The kid's scared to death. Now he's sold into to, to slavery. He, the people that are in the caravan, he doesn't speak their language. He gets down to Egypt. He doesn't speak that language either. 70-year-old kid is in a really bad way. But there's an amazing word that is used here. It is the word favor. It is the word Favor. Anybody know how that word might be translated from Hebrew to Greek? Favor is grace. Grace is what Jesus did for us on the cross. If we accept what Jesus did, grace is getting what you don't deserve. What do we deserve? All of us. What do we deserve? Hell. So if you're in here today and you're the first time, you're thinking, my goodness, I'm in here with all these great people. As I said before, keep an eye on your purse. All right, but... We all deserve hell. Only Jesus, only his grace, only the favor of God. I like how one preacher said it. He said if 99.9999% of heaven's entrance was based on Jesus, and that one one hundred thousandth of a percent, if that was left up to us, we'd still all go to hell. 100% of the reason heaven is open for us is because... Of the grace of Jesus Christ. And it says that favor, that grace, fell upon Joseph. Now, I, I hope that Joseph at this point is thinking, in the back of his mind, he's got to be lonely. He's got to be crying himself to sleep at night. Here I was, the favorite. I've got the royal robe. I'm blessed. I'm the one that hangs out with dad. I'm the one that's going to inherit anything, everything. And now, here I am serving as a slave. But even in that house, he begins to rise because of God's favor and grace. So much so that he lives in the master's house. He's not out in some back slave house. And he keeps getting more and more responsibility where he's in charge of absolutely everything. And why not? Because he's turning coin like he's never seen before this Egyptian. His crops are flourishing. His animals are flourishing. Everything Joseph touches and the guy's smart. He's, he goes, let's see, when did things turn around? Oh, yeah, it was the day I got Joseph. 
But there's more to the story. It's not written. But you see, the Egyptians, they worship everything. everything. When we stand on the banks of the Nile, we pray. This is our prayer. God, every, every God ever created by man has been worshipped right where we stand. The only one that's not gotten a chance is the real God. And we're asking you to step in. I want you to know, there's partner churches that work with us, but you're the main, you're the main church, okay? And you have planted 550 churches up and down the Nile River, all right? 550 churches. And um, it's because if Jesus ever gets a chance to stand beside a crocodile god, a sun god, a moon god, and a river god... People know all this other stuff is empty. And so they gravitate to it. Well, Joseph, obviously, when they're having Crocodile Day and Sunday and all this other stuff, Joseph's like, well, you know, that's not what I do. I'll tell you about the unknown God. I'll tell you about the all-living God, the one who is above all. I'll be happy to tell. Well, the all Potiphar knows is, whoever his God is, I want to keep him here because he's being blessed. Psalm 90 says it this way. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. <clears throat> establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Now listen to me. You don't pray for the favor of God to rest on your hands so that you can do the work of God if you don't intend to do anything. Does that make sense? Now let me tell you, you know I'm going to be pretty much in your face. You're going to be tempted to walk out of here. Or you're going to be tempted to go up to those tables and say, you know, I'd like to do that. I need to go pray for it. Let me tell you what that's code for. I'm a coward. So you prayed. And I've said this to people one-on-one. So you went home and prayed. You, in fact, you fasted. You fasted and prayed for three weeks. And God said, you know what? Let them all go to hell. Oh, and the children that are starving, yeah, let them starve. I'm glad you prayed about that because I, I knew that's exactly the answer you'd get. No, you know the answer. The only question is where. And the thing is, you, we have some right here. You hardly have to walk out the door to get involved. Others are in Bunnell, New Smyrna Beach. Some of them are in Florida. Some of them, yes, are around the world. There's an, uh, I like what uh, Phil Rather said last night. He said, I think what we need to do is get a big old wheel like they have on, on uh, Wheel of Fortune and uh, just spin the wheel and whatever trip it lands on, that's, that's where you go. I think that, that sounds fun, but uh, when you and I get overly spiritual and say, oh, I just need to pray about it, what that's code for is I don't intend to do anything. And I, I hope that's not where you're at. I hope your heart is, Lord, where can you use me? How can you use me? We, we talk about prayer, go, and give. And that everybody needs to do at least two of those. Because I don't want to say prayer's a cop-out, but prayer's a cop-out. I'll give you this example. Um, one of the largest organizations that I know in, our, in the Christian Church Brotherhood, probably worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and they put out this huge thing about Maui, and I'm reading all of it. And then it said, pray for Maui. Now, that's a good thing. I pray for Maui. I'm not against praying for Maui. If I'm in Maui right now, and you send me a text telling me you're going to pray for me, you may not like the text you get back. 
I need food. I need shoes. I need clothes. My kids have lost everything. I'm over here grieving, but it's good to know that you who have everything are praying. You see why that's a problem? Yeah, you need to pray, but that's why after you pray, you either go or give, or both. Because prayer is the easiest cop out in the world. Yes, pray for Hawaii, but do something about it. Pray for sex trafficking, but do something about it. Pray for missions, but do something about it. That's the whole point. It's real easy to say, well, I'll pray. But the second part of this is not just the the part where he's favored by God. Joseph is favored by men. I want you to think about this a minute. He could have gotten sold into any situation. You're a slave. You don't have any choice about where you go, right? You're just going to go whoever buys you. But he ends up with a man named Potiphar who seems to be sensitive to Joseph and sensitive to God. And that's a good thing. And I'll tell you why this is important. 35 years ago, I took a job in Jacksonville. And uh, the pastor's name was Tom Moore. And Tom is a good friend to this day. Tom's retired from the ministry now. Uh, Tom was a, a hard boss. And um, I was a little on the lazy side. So those two things coming together didn't work real well. <clears throat> but let me tell you, Tom Moore taught me how to care about lost souls. And I've written him letters and told him that. I said, Tom, everything I do at this church is because of what you taught me. We'd go out to eat for lunch. And, you know, this is how old we were. Uh, we would go out and they'd have these things called pay phones. Tom carried a roll of quarters with him. And he carried all of the first-time visitors in his pocket. And we would leave lunch and he'd say, give me a minute and make a couple phone calls. And he would call at least two of those people and try to set up an appointment that night that he could come by their house and share the gospel. And I worked with that for five years. I know I drove Tom crazy. I was not the greatest of employees. I got better, but I was never very good. But I learned from Tom one thing. The only thing that matters is people's souls. The rest of it, we can sort out later. You can go to hell with this, or heaven with this, you can go to, you can go to hell with anything, but you can go to heaven with this problem and that problem and this problem and this ache and this suffering, but you can't go to heaven without Jesus. And I'd say, well, Tom, we had this great event. We did this, we did this, we did this. And he'd say, Joe, who was saved? And I learned early on what was worth measuring, what was worth counting. So sometimes when you're in a dark valley and you're dealing with a tough boss or maybe a, a, a tough spouse or maybe a tough friend and you're thinking, man, I, why am I going through all this? That might just be what you need to get you through where you're at right now. Jesus said this. He said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, can that be used about money? Yes. Can it be used about the time you give? Yes. Can it be used about the commitment you make to prayer? Yes. As you give to God, God says, I will give it back overflowing into your lap. But if you take what God's blessed you with and you hold on to it, you know what Jesus says about that person? He said, they are a lazy, wicked servant. Get away from me. That's a tough one. 
lazy, wicked servant, get away from me. And it's not talking to the non-believers. He's talking to the believers. And I read that passage over and over the other day. And I thought, man, the last thing I'm going to let God call me. The wicked may take me the rest of my life to work some of the wicked out of me. But the lazy, I can do something about that right now. And I just wonder, what would happen? What would happen if you decided, you know what? I'm going to give God everything. I'm going to turn this over. But then not just spiritually. How about at work? What if you go into work Monday and instead of cutting hours and laying on shovels or whatever it is you do, stealing pencils, that you go in and actually bust your butt? Your boss is going to think, what's up? What has happened to this person? Why are they so different? Guess what? You get the same opportunity Joseph did. You now get to talk about your God. Listen, I'm a Christian and it's not right for me to, to cheat you. Colossians 3 says, says it this way. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you were working for the Lord. Let me ask you this, men. What if you decided that you were going to work at your marriage and make it everything it ought to be, not because your wife deserves it, but because Jesus deserves it? Ladies, I know your husband's not worth it. But what if you worked on your marriage and you loved your husband because you owe it to Jesus to treat him the right way? Then we get down to the last part, and that is what you get for being faithful. See, the favor of God was on Joseph. The the grace of God was there to bless him, to bless him, to move him up into leadership, to bless him financially. But it was also there, God blessed him with putting the right people in his life. But the real blessing for God's favor, all right, you're going to love this. What God gives you when you're faithful to him is more responsibility. Now we get out of here, yes, all the rewards are coming. But when you're faithful to God, God says, great job. What are you going to do next? Hey, you saw me be faithful there. What are you going to do next? It's not like Moses crossed the Red Sea and then said, okay, well, that's the end of the story. Oh, no, there's a whole lot of story left to be lived. After Jesus does the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, there's a whole lot of story left to be lived. So when you and I are faithful to God, it's not like, okay, well, I was faithful Thursday, so now I'm good. No, now you get more responsibility. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary, said, God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. Let me finish with this story. A few weeks ago, there was a a 37-year-old man that tragically drowned down by Wilbur by the sea. And I think he was from Orlando, I don't, I don't know, but a terrible story. I mean, anytime anybody dies, it's a terrible story. Uh, but what got me as I read down through the article was that he was a, a half mile from a lifeguard tower. If he would have just chosen to swim maybe an eighth of a mile closer to that lifeguard tower, the lifeguard would have seen him, the lifeguard could have rescued him. But most of us choose in our lives to stay as far away from Jesus as we can. We still want to be called Christians, but I don't want to get close enough where he might hold on to me. 
But the problem is when you stay that far away, you're also so far away that when you get yourself in trouble, he's got a long way to go to rescue you. And some of you have been swimming a long way away, and it's time to move back toward the tower. So, Father, I don't know. We all want your favor. We want your favor, but we're not always so good at wanting to live what it takes to have your favor. We want your favor, but when it's in the dark times, we want to just gripe and complain instead of saying, okay, God, I know you're getting me out of here. I know the resurrection's coming. I know that I'm going to be with you forever. So no matter how dark today is, the ultimate light is coming. And I don't know who's here that needs to take on more responsibility for the kingdom, for their family, their marriage even for their job. So God, I just ask that your Holy Spirit, whether people are watching into land or online or here, God, I just ask that your spirit would go to work. In Jesus' name, amen.